Well, it seems like it was just yesterday when we were talking about how cold it was outside, right? Scraping the snow off the sidewalks, putting the salt down. But now, finally, it's spring. Anybody excited about it? I'm excited about it. <laughs> no, everybody's like, yeah, it's spring, okay. Summer, winter, fall, okay, whatever. No, spring, I, I love spring. You know, you see the tulips coming up, and you see the, the grass coming back to life, and, and you kind of go, wow, that is so amazing, just to see God's creation at work. And, and the, even the rain, right? Things that we go, oh, I don't enjoy it too much, but I love seeing that. It brings up about a freshness, doesn't it? And humidity, but besides that, it's fantastic. But spring also brings about Little League Baseball. Does anybody have anybody involved in Little League Baseball? They are a crazy bunch, I'm telling you. I'm not talking about the kids either. I'm talking about the parents, right? The parents of Little League Baseball kids. Have you ever been to a game? I, I, I don't have any kids in Little League Baseball, so it's kind of fun to every once in a while go and just watch. Because you see parents... Get all up in arms, right? Isn't it true? Is, no? Maybe I shouldn't talk about it. Everybody's like, um, no. <laughs> well, you know, you, you see parents get so excited about their kid and, and they're growing. And, and that's great. I, I love that excitement and that, you know, you can see that connection that, that parents have with their kids and, and their passion for them and, and wanting to see them succeed and do well. But then there's those other parents. You know what other parents I'm talking about, right? The ones that are like so excited that they're angry, you know? And you're like, wait, wait a second, this, this is kids' baseball. You don't have to get mad about it, right? And, and to a certain extent, it, it almost becomes humiliating for that person, doesn't it? I mean, they take it way too far. They take it way too seriously. And it's like, just calm down. Everything's going to be okay. And even it's worse for their kids, isn't it? Oh, Dad, you know? I won't pick on the moms here tonight because it's Mother's Day weekend. So, Dad, right? And, you know, I don't know all the reasons why, you know, a, a, a parent would be that aggressive and, and that excited and that tense, I guess. But I think part of it has to do with the idea that, man, I want my kid to succeed. And I want my kid to succeed to the point of, if they're not, it not only looks bad on them, but it looks bad on me. And if they fail, that means I'm failing. And you know, I think that same strain of deception in our lives is true not only in that area, but, but even in the other areas of our lives. I think about in our relationship with God. How many things have you just sensed that God is calling you to do? You would say, you know what, God, I, I think you might be moving me in this direction. But then you say, but I don't think I can just do that. I can't, I can't accomplish that. That won't work. I'm going to fall flat on my face. I'm going to fail miserably, and everybody's going to be laughing at me. I'm going to look like an idiot. I'm just afraid that it's not going to work out. You know, much of our lives are spent that way, only in the shadow of what God designed for us to be. Because we're tied down to our fear of failing if we step out. 
So today, I, I want you to envision something with me. What if, what if failure was not possible? What would you try to accomplish? What would you step out and do? What if you knew that failure was not something that, that you had to be concerned with anymore? And we're going to consider that as we turn to, to Genesis chapter 22. You know, uh, one great Bible teacher, he said this about the, this chapter, uh, Genesis 22, that we're going to look at. If you were to designate the ten greatest chapters in the Bible, wow, there's a lot of chapters in the Bible, the ten greatest, you would almost have to include Genesis chapter 22. So this is a, a, a crucial passage in God's Word. And it's the story of Abraham and Isaac. And it's what I believe uh, God wants to use in our lives today. To teach us how we can live our lives no longer in fear of failure. I want to talk to you about what would you do if failure was not possible. The first thing would be that you would trust God no matter what. No matter what comes up. If failure was not possible, you'd trust him no matter what the situation. Let's look at what Abraham did in Genesis chapter 2 and and verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, and sacrifice him, he says. I don't know if you, you know the, the, the story here, but imagine what God was calling Abraham to do. God had promised, he had made a promise to Abraham, it, he, even in the terms of, of a covenant, just like a marriage, it was this idea of an inseparable uh, statement of, of, I'm promising you something. I'm giving you my word. God had promised Abraham that he was going to use Abraham's life to change the world. He was going to use him to bring about a great nation that would be a blessing all over the world. And that nation, that promise that has come true is the nation of Israel, the Jewish people. And Abraham and his wife waited 25 years for this baby to be born. 25 years. But this child of blessing, this child of promise, God was going to take that away? The dream, the hope for your life, whether it's in a child or not, was going to be taken away, how would that make you feel? And yet, with Abraham, there was resoluteness in his actions. Listen to verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. So, here's Abraham. God says, this is what I want you to do. The promise that I've given you, it looks like that's not going to happen. And Abraham says, okay, 
he, it says he rose up early. I don't know about you, but if, if my hopes and dreams were, seemed to be crashing down, I would sleep in, right? I'd say, okay, if this is going to happen. I'm going to take as much time as I can. But there's something about Abraham, Abraham's actions. He, he got up early and he did some things. He made some preparations. He saddled his donkey, he rounded up a couple servants, he split some wood. <laughs> and then he set on a, on a trip, on a journey. And later in the verses you can sit, continue to see this, this same attitude, this same resolve. It's like he's not even worried, he's not even concerned. Verse 4 talks about how uh, he took three days to walk the 50 to 60 miles from Beersheba to Moriah. Have you ever been on a three-day trip? Now, as, as we look at the Bible, we, we kind of see a, a history of thousands of years of stories, right? So sometimes we, we kind of dismiss three days. Oh, it's just three days. Three days, three nights. Yeah, that's just a couple days. But think about that for a second. Three days. How far can you travel in three days? On foot... I, I probably couldn't travel very far. But uh, in a car, on a plane, man, you could go pretty far, can't you? But also, it, it gives you a lot of time to think, doesn't it? There's a lot of daily routine that goes into that. It was a long trip. And then in verse 9, uh, you, uh, he, he builds this altar. He looks for stones, he builds an altar, he puts wood on it, he ties the sun down. It it's almost sounds like he's describing doing a home project, right? Okay, I, I get out my tools, I go to Lowe's, I, I saw some wood, and then I build a deck, right? But this by far had to be the most agonizing days of Abraham's life. But it almost sounds as if they were average days. If it was just routine, if it was just what he, what he was doing, part of me wants to say, so what? You know, Abraham's heart is being ripped out. Who cares about these little details? What does all of that matter? But it really does show us a few things. It shows us that our God is very hands-on with us. You know, we want to learn with our head. We, we want to come to a book and say, okay, I'm gaining knowledge from that. I'm gaining wisdom from that. So I don't have to live it, right? I don't have to live that difficulty or that tragedy. But is that really how we learn the most? God wants to teach us with real-life experiences. He wants to teach us with, with uh, practical things that, that happen in our lives, that come about in our lives. It's not just some story that God is telling Abraham. Hey, Abraham, imagine if I had said... No, he said, Abraham, this is what I want you to do. Abraham is right down in the middle of the action. You know, he's getting all the experiences, the sights, the sounds, all of it. It also shows us that the ordinary, uh, shows us the ordinary nature of God's plan sh You know, we want to look at at, uh, for the grand and the glorious and the big scheme of things. But sometimes, God's plan is day to day, moment by moment, one step at a time. 
You know, you, you have to get a job. You have to go to school. You have to mow the grass kind of things, right? And I'm not, talking, I'm not saying that God was just giving Abraham some busy work. You know, go ahead and, and do some things before you go off and do this. But he pressed on, you know, and, and the, some of these things were not like exciting, life-changing things that he was doing in preparation. But really, we, we kind of need to be ready for that. As God reveals his direction for our lives, as he reveals those steps, sometimes those steps are not always exciting and off the charts and, okay, let's do that. There are some steps that we can take, that we can follow, that allow us to get to that point. But here's our focus, is that Abraham did not hesitate to trust God. You know, in the middle of this really devastation, right? His dreams, his hopes, everything that he had been relying on seemed to be coming down, but he said, wait, wait, wait. I'm still going to trust God through all of this. I know he's got a plan. I know he's got a purpose. Someone noted that while surely there were some intense emotions going on inside of Abraham, and you know, you can even uh, see a tear rolling down his cheek, as you think about that relationship between a father and a son, it's noteworthy that not a line describes Abraham's emotions in this passage. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, you should uh, just be strong, don't show any emotion, don't, don't uh, just bottle those up and, and just go ahead and do. But I, I think it is saying uh, he's, he's using Abraham as an example of resolute obedience. Abraham was saying, God will come through. I know it. I have no doubt. It's almost as if he knew that. You know, though things looked bad, with God, he could not fail. You know, it's like God, uh, it, it appeared like God was pulling the rug out from underneath him. It looks like the plan that he promised might not come about. But I know that those uh, things are impossible. You know, it's impossible for us to fall apart now if God is in it. If God has promised something, if God has given his word, it's impossible for it to fall apart. So let's get going, Isaac, because God said to. I'm going to obey him. If failure was not possible, you trust God no matter what. And if failure was not possible, you would expect God to make a way. That's what's so amazing about this passage. Let's, let's look in verses uh, 4 through 8. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad, and, uh, the lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hands uh, and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, he said, here am I, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my God, uh, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb. For a burnt offering. 
So the two of them went together. I want you to notice what Abraham says in in verse 5. We will return. (laughs) Wow. I mean, they didn't know what was going on. Abraham knew what God had said. And maybe they didn't understand all of what, what God had said to Abraham. But Abraham was confident. We will return. And then in verse 8, Abraham says, God will provide a lamb. You know, sometimes I, if I try to picture myself in, 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 in those situations, you know, would I try to hedge my bets a little bit? Would I say, well, we might be back. <laughs> we'll see you in a little bit, maybe. <laughs> right? God's going to provide a lamb. It might be you. Right? But you know, so many times when we're in the midst of a challenge, we're, we're looking for that fight or flight. Right? We're looking for the challenge. Uh, should I challenge this or should I bail? And Abraham just followed. <laughs> But what if you knew that God is leading us and, and, and uh, the road has led us here to this point? Now, it's not a pleasant place. I don't think Abraham was going, yeah, this is great. I can't wait until I get to put my son on this altar. It'll be so much fun, right? But he expected God to make a way. We will get through it. And we will accomplish the plan that he has given to us. So with that, I, I, uh, I can establish, I'm sure that God has a way out of this. And I can't wait to see what it is. Wow. God is going to do a mighty thing. Write down uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Um, it talks about this idea of, of temptation, uh, but really the word that, that's used here can also be translated test. It says, no temptation, no test has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also may, make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You know, God doesn't put things into our lives and say, (laughs) see if you can get out of that one. He says, through difficulty, always know that I have made a way of escape. Whether that's through temptation and sin that's confronting you, that you need to say, okay, God, I'm looking for the escape here. I know that you have one for me. Or whether it's a situation like this. God, it doesn't all make sense, but I'm looking for that way of escape. I'm looking for that answer. I'm expecting you to make a way. When you're following God, you can always know that this is not the end of the road. There's always a way out. There's always an answer, a future, a hope that's left for me. Jeremiah 29.11 declares that. You know, you may have heard it said before that In the darkest night, look for the faintest light, because morning is coming, right? In the darkest night, look for that faintest light, look for that way out, look for that escape, because it's coming. 
Listen to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. Hebrews is, is referred to as the hall of faith, kind of uh, examples of those who have gone before us, who are setting that example for us of, of how we can walk with the Lord. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises, Abraham, he who had received the promises, the word from God, the one who said, Abraham, I'm going to promise you some things, and you can trust these things, you can rely on these things, I have a path for you. He says, he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. God had promised Abraham a seed, a lineage, through Isaac, specifically. So Abraham concluded that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Can you imagine Abraham's expectation from what we see in this passage and what we see in in Genesis? Abraham knew that God was going to make a way. He didn't know how. He didn't know the details. He didn't know what was going to happen, but he knew it could even come down to God raising his son from the dead. God made a promise. And he was going to trust it. How could someone trust God like Abraham did? How could I trust God like Abraham did? You need to realize that Abraham had two things, and these two things you also have. First, God's promises. God's word. We have before us what God has to say to us. We have before us uh, a record of all the ways that God has worked in the past, all the, the ways that he has shown his power and his strength and that he is trustworthy. We have his promises. God had told Abraham some things and God doesn't lie. He doesn't take back his promises. And we also know God's nature. You know, he knew Abraham knew that God hated human sacrifice. Leviticus 20, verses 1 through 5. And he knew that God had good things for him and not bad things. So there were some things. There were some some things that God had revealed to Abraham that he reveals to us as we walk day by day with him. But what was God doing in Abraham's life? The Bible says in verse 1 in Genesis that God was testing him. You know, that that word can also mean, that word testing can also mean to draw someone upward or downward. But when it's used of God, God's not drawing you downward. God's purpose for testing in our lives is to draw us up, is to encourage us, to strengthen us for those tasks. And it doesn't mean that, that it will tell God something about you that he wasn't sure about. The testing isn't about, okay, I'm just going to see. Is he going to be faithful to me or not? Is he going to be faithful to me or not? God's not having that conversation. 
It also doesn't mean that uh, that idea of a temptation to, to try to seek to trip you up or uh, to trick you or to draw you into doing wrong. That's not what God does. James 1.13 tells us that. But it does mean that a, a testing will show us where we really are. Really, it's more for us than it is for God. It kind of reveals our heart to us, doesn't it? It also, um, ultimately... It has the purpose of making us stronger, to strengthening our walk with him. Abraham was going to learn through this that, that when things got tough in his life, God would always make a way, would always provide. And that's why he called God Jehovah Jireh later. God provides. God's the one who takes care of me, who makes a way. Does this mean that, that my situation will, will go the way I want it to? Does this mean that, that um, you know, I, the picture that I have in my mind of what my life should look like is going to come true if I just trust it hard enough? Let me just clarify what we're saying and what we're not saying when I say that you can't fail with God. It's not saying that your marriage will be saved. It's not saying that uh, you will be able to accomplish keeping your house or keeping your job or keeping your family. That's not what this is saying. But he is saying that with God, your immediate goal could be realized. That, that the thing that you have uh, focused in your life, that desire of your life can come to fruition. But the long-term goal the victory in your life will be reached. God's greatest purposes for your life will be accomplished. So what would you do if failure was not possible? You would trust God no matter what. You would expect God to make a way. And you would see God do great things. Look at verses 9 through 19. So then they came to the place which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. I just want you to notice. Every time that God called, what did Abraham say? Here I am. Yes, Lord, I'm listening. I want to hear from you, right? Verse 12, and he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its, its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the, the place the Lord will provide, as it, said, uh, as it is said to this day, in the mountain of the Lord it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called down to Abraham a second time uh, out of heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, 
Blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of your enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned, just like he said, to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham went, uh, dwelled at Beersheba. You know, many times we cut off God's work at the pass. You know, there was something great that God wanted to do for us, that God wanted to do through us, but we try to take care of it ourselves. And you know, if you read Abraham's story, he had done that before. And it had caused him, and actually all of us, problems. But in this case, in this moment, he trusted God. And as a result, he saw the great hand of God at work. And he really, he gave us an opportunity to see it and to be blessed as well. It impacts our lives today. In verses 9 through 19, a lot is going on. And, and many times when we see or, or uh, hear this, this story depicted, we envision a young boy, you know, uh, Isaac, who is coming and, and uh, being uh, bound to this altar. But there's actually a fair amount of evidence that um, he was actually a young man. A man who could have resisted but trusted as well. You know, he could have said, uh, Dad, I don't like where this is going. I don't think so. Right? But he had heard story after story about how God had come through. And he trusted God too. But the th- biggest thing we want to notice in these verses is, one, Abraham is shown as someone willing to trust God to the end. You know, right to the very last minute, right to the very last moment, when it couldn't get much worse, he was being obedient. He was trusting God and looking for that way. Also, God blesses that trust by miraculously providing a lamb in in Isaac's place. You know, I I can imagine just being there. You know, you have this this climactic situation. Oh, (laughs) There it is. Okay, we'll just do that instead, you know? God had provided a way miraculously. God also reaffirms his covenant, his promise to Abraham. You can see that in verses uh, 16 through 18. He was kind of firming up. You know, Abraham, I told you this before, but now I want to tell you again, and I want to firm that up in your life. I'm going to do great things through your life. I'm going to use you to impact the world. Do you think the next time Abraham came to a situation like that, do you think he thought a second about not trusting God, about doubting his promise? He had seen, he has a history of seeing God's work and then he comes through. And ultimately, we see through these verses, you know, we're actually given the greatest parallel in all Scripture to what God did for us on the cross. The Father must sacrifice His innocent Son 
the son of promise, the Messiah, the one who was going to, to liberate Israel, to liberate the world in order for his purposes to be accomplished. And that changed our lives. In fact, uh, chronologically, it, it, there's the possibility that Isaac was the same age as Jesus when he was crucified. You know, and, and this place where Abraham offered him or was willing to offer up his son, this mountain, it became the place where the temple was built. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 1. It was the place where people worshipped God for generations. It was the place that became a capital and, and a focus of God's work in the city of Jerusalem. And it was the same place where the Savior was crucified, at least in that area, right outside the city. And it's the place where God will rebuild the temple one day. It's where Jesus will rule and reign forever in a new heaven, a new earth. Abraham's obedience had consequences all through time, didn't it? Abraham didn't see all of that. Do you think if God said, okay, Abraham, I'm going to do this thing. All that this is going to happen is going to happen because of your obedience. Wow, I, I don't even know where to start with that, God, right? That wasn't necessary for Abraham to know. No, he just knew he had to be obedient. But because he trusted God, because he knew that failure w was not possible when you're following God, God did more than he could have ever dreamed through that moment. I can't help but win with God. God is able to do Bible story worthy type things outside of the Bible. <laughs> Did you know that? God wants to do amazing things through your life. When we step forward, when we step towards, when, when, when we hear God and hear what he has to say to us and we step out on a limb, it's not really stepping out on a limb. It's trusting God. I want that to be true of my life. Don't you? To have that kind of confidence, that kind of strength. You know, I think we, I have some of these uh, perfectionistic tendencies. You know, if it's not right, I, I'm afraid that, that I'm going to look silly or look stupid or what's going to happen if I fail. And that can be something that faces each one of us. But then as I begin to follow the Lord and, and to step out, I realize that if I'm following Jesus, I can't fail. If I am stepping toward him, wow. You know, the specific things that I'm doing may or may not turn out successful in the world's eyes. You know, it, it may not be, okay, you made a decision here, you're now president, <laughs> right? You're now king of the world. No. But if God is in it, it will either be visible successfully or God will use it in some way that I can't see right now. 
to make it a bigger part of his purpose that he's working in this world. Either way, I can't fail. And either way, I'm a part of what God is doing in this world. You know, it sounds a lot like Romans 8.28. He says, all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Romans 10 verse 11 says, whoever believes in him, whoever follows after him, will not be put to shame, will not be disappointed, will not be made to look dumb. When you put your faith in Christ, and you know, maybe it's for the first time. Maybe you would say, I'm coming to the end of my rope and, and I'm trying to do this life thing myself and, and I'm getting swamped. I can't handle it anymore. I need something else. I need the God of the universe. Whether it's a dis- decision like that or maybe a decision that, that you know God is asking you to follow. Maybe something's uh, a decision in your life, a direction in your life is kind of tugging at you and you're thinking, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if I can do that, God. Would you just step out and follow him? Let's pray. Lord, we come before you And you know our hearts. You know our weaknesses. You know our fear of failing. But Lord, you have shown us tonight through your word that we can't fail when we're following you. Lord, you have shown us through the example of Abraham that we can trust you that we can look and expect that way of escape, that way out. When everything looks like it's falling apart, Lord, you are faithful. Lord, you've promised us. You've made promises to us in your word, and you don't lie. You don't take back your word. So Lord, help us to trust you to believe you, to make those steps of faith. Father, I pray that you would continue to speak to us. In Jesus' name.